You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn. All right, well, good morning, everyone. And thanks to everyone who's uh, joined us for our South Niagara Conversation series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, a wonderful place to live, work, and play. Good morning, Scott, how are you? I'm doing very well this morning, Dolores, thank you, and yourself? Oh, it's Friday. Yes, Happy, happy as a clam. <laughs> I uh, wanna give a shout out to our tech sponsor, Brian LeChapelle from B4 Networks. Uh, technology experts that everybody needs. Brian, how are you this morning? Fantastic. Thank you, Dolores. Great, great. This morning, we're going to have a conversation around Niagara's labor market, what we can anticipate and what it means for job seekers and for businesses. Scott, let's get to it. Who do we have joining us this morning? Well, thanks, Dolores. This morning, we have uh, Kelly Jones from Employment Solutions, Deanna Delia from YMCA, and Vivian Kinnair from the Niagara Workforce Training Board. Thanks all of you for joining us this morning. Uh, Kelly, let's get started right away with you. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the job markets? What types of jobs are out there these days? Well, uh, I would say that there is lots of jobs. And uh, I think there's a few people out there that would say, oh, the economy, it's, it's taken some time to, to reopen. But from uh, the three of us, Vivian and Deanna, what we're seeing uh, kind of frontline is there's lots of jobs, especially construction and any sort of renovation and building of that factor. Those building permits have still been almost COVID proof to a certain extent. And so skilled labor is still in, in really high demand. And I think later today we'll, we'll uh, address kind of the skill gap that is happening in Niagara. Um, but we are still seeing a reluctancy on uh, people applying for work. And especially when you get to the entry level positions, I had a good conversation with a couple employers uh, yesterday uh, saying that, you know, just getting the entry level of um, positions is a little bit difficult. And I think later on, we'll have a chance to uh, kind of address that. It's, it's a two-way street on that uh, with the employer and the client and understanding, you know, COVID protocols to the proper pay rate and, and so on. So I think there's a couple tangos out there still to be danced before we can really get the uh, full everyone back to work and getting that uh, unemployment rate a little bit lower in Niagara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does seem to sort of be the uh, the balance, right? You hear people saying, "Oh, it's really hard to find anybody to to fill the jobs," but and and but yet there's lots of jobs out there, and people are looking for work. So it does seem to be a sort of a confusing uh, thing from from sitting back looking at it. Um, Vivian, is do you seeing similar things from from where you see? Absolutely, I would totally uh, echo what Kelly's saying there. We've seen since January, you know, the data show we we process a lot of data around uh, the job market, both on labor demand and labor supply, um, and we've been tracking it all at month to month right through the entire pandemic. So we've seen the ebbs and flows. We've seen the impacts of the closures when they occur. Um, it all is echoed in the data. So, but over the last four or five months, I mean, we've seen um, quite a, an increase in the number of job postings that we, we collect. So I totally echo what Kelly is saying there. There is uh, jobs in demand out there, largely in the manufacturing and con- kind of construction sectors. Um, when you compare like 
from a data perspective, we like to go back and say, okay, what was it looking like two years ago? Because really last year we were in this already, right? So when you when you compare to the, you know May 21 to May 19, you know, manufacturing, there's more people employed in manufacturing right now than there was two years ago. Um, there's almost as many people employed in construction. And as Kelly said, we've seen an increase um, in those levels of activity. Those businesses are growing, there's new businesses arriving. So the demand for skilled labor there is, is really important. Of course, the flip side is the, the, the broader tourism sector. Um, and, 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 but even there, over the last three months, there's been month on month increases in the number of jobs available as everybody gets ready for the reopening, the patio season. You know, over 60% of the jobs are in, related to tourism are in the kind of accommodation and food services sector. So we know that's reopening right now. So the jobs are there and there's a little bit of nervousness um, in, uh, amongst employers and in some businesses that they're going to have the labor they need once they're in full swing this summer. Yeah, absolutely. And we, Dolores and I have spoke with several people over the last few podcasts and there is that concern certainly in tourism about the rustiness in some some areas of people coming back and then a lot of the, the the primo employees have gone on to find other other careers because they had to do something and, uh, and so deanna maybe from your perspective on that that uh, is that what you're finding as well uh yeah i would say that uh, of the job seekers that we're currently seeing um we uh, right now since january we've probably actively worked with about a thousand plus people uh, probably decent uh, amount of employers. I'm going to say we probably have contact with about 100 employers since January um, and have employed about 450 people. So much to Kelly Jones's point, um, people are still working. Their jobs are still out there. <clears throat> In fact, uh, now is the job seekers market. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to your point, Scott, uh, you're right. In, with COVID going up and down, uh, you know, that the discussion of that fourth wave potentially coming and, you know, when do we go back to whatever that, and I hate the term new normal or whatever happens to be, but, um, you know, it's like playing your favorite record over and over again, you just get tired of it. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, we, we do have to start looking at things from that context of, you know, those people who were in precarious employment before, it only became more precarious through COVID. Um, and so they have taken their skill sets and moved on. And, and mm -hmm. many employers have been benefiting from that. Um, but like to Viv's point, um, we have sectors who are thriving and we have sectors that are not. And the ones that are not thriving have lost long tenured staff, either through transition or retirement. And they're looking to replace long tenured staff with new hires who want uh, they expect the long tenured skill set, but at the starting wage. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is something that we're seeing in Niagara mm -hmm. and, and across the country. It's not, this is just not synonymous with, you know, living in Niagara, but um, it's something we have to give some thoughtful process to in the next six to 12 months, if we are going to have some economic advantages in Niagara. Right. Now, yeah. Deanna, if your favorite record is similar to a 16 month <laughs> global pandemic, uh, I can drop off some records this weekend. I seems like you need a boost in the old music collection. But yeah. Uh -huh. well, Jonesy, you're the best. No problem. Anytime. We, I have a we robust collection. We knew the conversation collection. was going to go this way. We, <laughs> we knew it. We knew it. 
Um, you know, we've been running a series uh, with our Niagara Chamber partnership called Niagara's Road to Recovery, where uh, each week we f feature a different sector. And uh, we've, we've done three. Um, so the first uh, was the agriculture and winery. The second was tourism. And just this week we did construction. Mm -hmm. And all three panel conversations uh, talked about labor and their concerns um, that they just won't have um, enough labor to do the work um, right across the board. Yes, um, so are you finding that job seekers, uh, employees are looking at retraining? Are they leaving um, industries and, and getting into totally different, different types of work uh, in different industries? Are, are you seeing that? Uh, I would say yes. Um, uh, it, it, again, I, I hate to, I hate to uh, create uh, general statements mm. because it is very, very unique to the individual job seeker as much as it is very unique to the individual employer and what they're seeking. And so uh, I, I would say, yeah, there's a portion of folks who've made the decision that I need to upskill. It's been the perfect time to go back to school, um, you know, in terms of, of uh, the length of time they've been out of the job. Um, but, but I also think there's the, the, the disconnect in terms of, especially in the higher demanding fields right now, the skilled fields, um, the struggle becomes, where do you get those skills when most of us would have learned those skills or most of the folks that are in those roles learn those skills on the job. Mm -hmm. um, and employers have an expectation with all due respect to the employers, I get it, have an expectation that folks are coming in with those skill sets already. Um, and this is a conversation Vivian and I, um, along with other EO providers, have all the time. It's how do we right-size our expectations in order for us to thrive tomorrow? Um, um, and, and it is a narrative we, we really need to have further conversation on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see it from the business perspective because we've been in that Me situation too. too, where you're you're running, running, running. You're so busy. You've got all of this work. You need people to, to jump in and be able to to start, start working at a certain level, right? That's, that's right. what you need, uh, but that's not necessarily what you get. Right. Um, exactly. So it's, it's, uh, it's a yeah. tough position to be in. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, Vivian, I know that we partnered, uh, our South Niagara Chambers partnered with you and Trusted Time right. on um, an employee-specific survey. Right. Uh, so we sent it out to businesses. It was really for employees to really try and find out um, what is it that they need? What is it? What what is it that they're looking for? Uh, right. Because retention is really going to be more right. important than ever. I know yes. that we got a really good response rate. We did. Um, have you have you found any? Can you share anything with us? Yeah. I, I, I haven't I, heard I, any of the results yet. So no, I'm really I, curious. Um, I could share a couple of, of, of very preliminary insights because it, it actually does dovetail in uh, some of the work we've been doing over the last couple of years, just trying to see what the workforce thinks about things and where their priorities sit. Um, and this, uh, so for two or three years now, we've run an annual, uh, an annual survey of, of the workforce in general. And uh, the work with Trusted Time um, has been uh, enabled us to be a little bit more focused with it. So I think that the, the, the top headline here for businesses is we need to move from just thinking about attracting employees, you know, getting people to apply for jobs um, and, and thinking more in once you've got them, how are you going to retain them? Because we do hear a lot from employers that, um, especially when you get into the skills and 
and and the need to invest in in their employees for the next job up or um, for expanding their knowledge. You often hear, well, I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time on that because they'll just go and work for someone else. Right. So uh, and we hear a lot of that, uh, particularly in skilled trades and in other areas. So really, then the focus for uh, businesses becomes retention. So how are you going to retain people? So the best, the, some of the high level things that are coming out of, we haven't had an opportunity yet to look at the, uh, the uh, trusted time data in detail. We're doing that over the course of July. And there, I think there's going to be a report on it at the end of July that you can share with the members, Dolores. Mm -hmm. But um, high level is, well, what are these employees' priority? Um, and we're seeing um, issues around flexibility. It's maybe not what employers want to hear, but flexibility, um, understanding of the complexity uh, in some people's lives, um, with family, other responsibilities, being sensitive to that and uh, um, embracing holistically people's lives. There's priorities around, sometimes it's remuneration. And, you know, back to um, Deanna's point about um, expecting a lot of skills for entry-level pay. Uh, where actually employers maybe need to think about entry-level pay means entry-level. You're not going to get somebody who's got a high level of experience or skills. Um, and with the pandemic, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say there's, there's quite a lot of evidence coming through around people's uh, mental health um, within the context of work. They're a little bit afraid to go back to work. They're a little bit afraid. So I think employers are going to need to really focus on health and safety, uh, but not from just the, the usual way in which we think about health and safety that we're all obliged to, to think about. It's actually making uh, um, their staff feel safe in this new uh, COVID-19 world <laughs> that, that we live in um, and dealing with some of the, the mental health stresses that people have. So it's, it's a very timely question, Dolores. Um, and I think this summer, the pandemic has accelerated a lot of the things that were, were sitting there. And I really, really appreciate um, the opportunity for us as a community to start thinking about how we retain employees rather yeah. than just hire them in the first place. Yeah. So if I could just interject there uh, as well and kind of support what Vivian and Deanna were both talking about is that, you know, you don't want to, like Deanna mentioned, you know, paint with all with a roller, right? And assume, right. you know, so an employer, let's say, and I've had these conversations, they can't find people no matter what level. And they go, Serb, they're all eating Doritos, lying on their couch. Sure. You know what? I can't say there's not those people out there for sure. But to go back to Vivian's point is that, yeah, there's probably people that are scared of getting mm -hmm. this disease uh, and, and so on. And no matter what their, their, the facts to their, their fear is, that's their perception. That's really important. And co to go back to Vivian's point is that when you're a you're an employer and you need these people, why not put some of the, your protocols for COVID and your flexibility, a keyword that D, uh, Vivian's pulled from the job retention and put that in the job posting. Yeah. Because yeah. there's two wins there. Yeah. If they read it, they're going to be a good employee because, hey, that's your first job requirement is to read the job posting. And then it's very comforting, like, okay, well, this is different. This employer shows that they care. And to go back to Vivian's list, pay was what, 
third or fourth. I know yeah. the, I know the results aren't official right now. I would, no. would look forward to that. But like yeah. pay was down the down the road, right? So yeah. that's really key is just take that little bit of time. If you can get three or four quality applicants just because you wrote an extra paragraph of the extra things that you put into place uh, to make sure that your workplace is COVID protocol friendly, or even you're going above and beyond like that. That's just such, a, such an easy win. And, yeah. and you don't want to assume that people are lazy, right? I do have to add to the flexibility piece though, because in, yeah. and the, the COVID piece, uh, Viv spoke earlier, you know, COVID has, um, heightened an already existing problem in Niagara um, in terms of uh, uh, finding the right bodies um, in our workforce. Uh, it, for, for a lot of folks who are at home uh, on CERB, and, and we hear this all the time in our industry uh, from employers, um, it, it was a very difficult year for individuals to have kids being homeschooled and then also trying to figure out how to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, a daycare is not going to take an 11-year-old. Um, and mm-hmm. so you don't leave an 11 year old at home. Uh, and let's be real. Uh, that is a huge chunk of our population and mm-hmm. our workforce. Uh, they were caught between a rock and a hard spot. And so mm-hmm. we, we have to take those things into consideration. So I, I really want to temper the guy at home thing uh, in terms of, of, of really what this last 18 months or so mm-hmm. has, has been like for the folks that have been at home and the job seekers at home. And, and I respect the em- employer's notion of not being able to recruit people. Mm-hmm. We had employers in the very early stages and those who, you know, transitioned pretty quickly in their thought process. So we had some employers who were very part-time in their hours. Um, their workforce uh, was, you know, comprised mainly of part-time individuals. Well, part-time work makes me $1,200 a month, um, which was less than EI or serve or whatever the government was doing to support that workforce in transition. And so for those that elected to go from home because kids were at home with them and stay at home, we encouraged employers to think differently about not necessarily the hourly rate they were paying, but more along the lines of how many hours are you giving that person? Yes. Those workforces that made those adjustments had no problem finding staff um, because people do want full-time work and people do want to capitalize on when the door opens up Um, as a job seeker and as a, a provider for my family, I am going to shift and take the more hours when I can get it. And so we've seen a number of job seekers that did that. So those businesses were very um, smart in their thinking. Uh, we had other employers in terms of flexibility. I know we hear flexibility and all, we always think about that younger generation and, you know, the cushy chairs or whatever. And I, it's, it's a stereotype. I really don't uh, lend itself to because I have two of those at home and they are exceptionally hard workers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, flexibility, an employer changed the start hours to match the bus system. Uh, that yeah. dramatically changed their workforce. It, it yeah. doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't actually have to cost you money. Flexibility yeah. is looking at your set of circumstances, the circumstances of the job seeker, the circumstances of the employer and finding a win-win. Yeah. Employers yeah. who are open to do that are going to find are success. Going to find it. Yeah, I, I, that, that's great because I was going to ask you, what does flexibility mean? Yeah. Because right. it's, um, <clears throat> it's a word that we hear a lot, but yes. okay, what, what does that mean? What, what do I need to, to do for an employee? What, how flexible yes. do I need to do? How is it going to impact, you know, yeah. our, our, our business? So that's a great example. Um, do you think that, you, you know, since many of us have been working from home, um, when we are all able to, you know, reopen in a safe way, 
that that's going to play into into anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to help clients start their own business on doing dog walking because we're going to have a whole bunch of animals <laughs> who are going to lose their minds. Sure. <laughs> There's money to be made. If somebody's listening to this and you're an entrepreneur, money to be made. I, yeah, yeah I think a lot of offices with dogs in the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think for businesses that it, it kind of pulls on the flexibility uh, comments that, that Deanna was making. Um, I think that businesses, if they take the lessons that we're learning through the pandemic, and, and say, okay, we're reopening, things are back to whatever, whatever the post-pandemic period looks like, um, and, and talk to their employees, back to the trusted time stuff. Talk to their employees about, you know, how is it for you and what, what are we gonna do? Uh, and, and engage them in the conversation. Now we know some businesses have to have people back in the office, on the floor, uh, wherever it is, or they're serving frontline, obviously. But in ones that aren't, um, is it worth the conversation about hybrid working, remote working, um, a combination of, of different working styles? Um, and, and those, back to Kelly's point, it's hard to put a, a, a broad brush on everything. You know, it's, it's very specific to individual businesses, types of employees. Um, I, I speak to people who can't wait to get back into the office. They're being driven crazy. Like these are, you know, types of jobs that can easily be done at home like kind of what we're doing right now. Um, but they can't wait. I've got colleagues across the system that I work in Absolutely. that have been going into their office anyway because they have got poor broadband <clears throat> at home. They've got kids running around in the background and they just can't do their job. So, but all the way to other people who've now say, okay, well, actually I've got used to this. I've got a good setup. I mean, I'm productive. I can work well here. So I think employers need to just think, okay, what's going on with my workforce um, and listen. And, and I want to keep come back to a comment that Kelly made too. He used the word care. I think caring and, and it goes a long way. It doesn't cost anything. Right. Um, and it just goes a long way of on that uh, employee retention piece because yeah. it does show that as an employer, it's not about the money. It's not about, um, it's not about the, the hours worked, other, if they're decent and consistent. It's about, yeah, I've, I, I work for somebody who cares about us all. And, and I think that goes a very long way. And it will yeah. in this post-pandemic. So, uh, yeah, businesses who learn the lessons and take them forward are going to win. And I think it's it's forced us to to um, think outside the box for sure. Mm -hmm. So you know you you, you think you need to um, be open from this time to this time, and uh, the pandemic has has made us conduct our business in a different way. And uh, you know there's a lot more online transactions. Uh, many of us have gotten really good with being able to um, you know take orders and 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 um, just process what we need to do uh, online. Um, and maybe we don't need to have, you know, um, storefront locations that are open, you know, 40 hours a week. Maybe that could, you know, 20 hours a week could suffice to, to take care of the customers that you have. So I think there's, there is going to be hybrids. I think uh, a lot of businesses are looking at that. And that will definitely um, provide some of that flexibility that you guys are talking about. Yeah, I just, if I could, I just wanted to reinforce a, another point that Deanna made um, just with some work that we were doing, and it's around the hours of employment. So one of the things we did, a uh, last year, we did a project focused on retail, and we were looking at how retail was, uh, the retail sector was, was coping with 
with all the changes and you've got essential retail and then um, non-essential retail. And, um, and one of the findings we, we, we came up with was that, that a lot of retailers were saying that because of the pandemic and because of the extra duties that, they, that uh, their employees needed, especially in essential retail, needed to perform. So they were making sure um, at different points in time that there was proper PPE protocols and that people were wearing masks and they were sanitizing carts in supermarkets and they were, um, they had, the employers ended up giving more hours to the staff that they really valued in terms of their ability to do that kind of customer service. So people who were working part-time suddenly found they were working full-time and then feeling much more or near to full-time and feeling yes. much more valued for, yeah. for, for the role they had. So we, took, we, we concluded there that there was a change where moving away from maybe kind of part-time precarious employment to fewer people maybe being employed on staff but more of them in a full-time basis. And that's going to mean that that business has got a more sustained workforce. Yes. And we hope it doesn't change. And we hope it doesn't change. Yeah. 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 So when we talk about, um, you know, training, I know that um, Kelly, we just had a session with you guys, a lunch and learn yesterday where you talked about um, some resources for businesses because training can be expensive and um, expensive, not just, you know, the cost of, of money, but the cost of time. Right. Um, and you guys have some, some pretty cool um, initiatives and resources to, to help businesses get through that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that'd be great. So I think, yeah, there's probably two ways I'd like to talk about the, the training pieces, obviously the Canada-Ontario job grant first, but then also um, different ways that we're working together to kind of address the skill gap in Niagara. So first we'll look at the Canada-Ontario job grant, which is offered from, through Employment Solutions and then the YMCA uh, that Deanna manages as well. Um, so basically it's just uh, for training for your current staff and new hires. So it could be something from a customer service training. Uh, it could be something from training on if you're a manufacturer to use uh, new equipment that you've just received. Um, so it's very multifaceted. So uh, yesterday at the Lunch and Learn, we, we showed examples of nonprofit or organizations such as Niagara Furniture Bank to larger industries like Walker Industries have, have taken on these, these uh, types of uh, funding grants. So it can cover up to, I usually always say 70 to 80% of the funding uh, for your current employees uh, for that training ticket. And then if it's a new hire that starts when the training starts, uh, it's a hundred percent coverage, depending on the size of your business. So it's a pretty complex uh, tr training uh, funding model to kind of wrap up in three to four minutes. But probably the best advice is that to reach out to the Employment Ontario office in your area, because uh, there is like a thirty-kilometer limit to on where you can serve. But I think that's a great option, and it, I know tons of businesses uh, last year. And Deanna has a pretty large budget with the YMCA for Kaj. And uh, you thought that maybe during COVID it would be more difficult, but it was actually pretty easy to spend that money because, you know, we use the downtime. I know our staff time, uh, our staff did some training, not uh, funded by Kaj, but it was just a good time to kind of resharpen our pencils and, and get back to the journey. But something that we're working on, and it's kind of right at the, the grassroots stage, actually with Niagara Workforce Planning Board, 
uh, and the Welland Economic Development Office is that, you know, we are seeing skill gaps. So employers in Welland are sending us job postings, resumes are coming in and they're not connecting, right? So what we're trying to do is trying to look to get some grant money to reach out to an employer through the Niagara, uh, the Welland Economic Development Office and say, you're short 10 people, general labor or, or uh, somewhat of an entry level position. The, the applicants you're getting are not good enough. We've got clients that are ready to work. So the funding would come in, they would do a training specifically for that job. And so they would take the, the I'd say the top 90% and they would work into employment after they've done the training. So the employer would be off the hook. So this is once again, we hope it happens, uh, but it's just little things like that where uh, we're trying to address that skill gap. So working directly with the employer, developing a training with uh, either partnership with a training facility such as the school boards or the college, and then getting them right into work, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think that we, I know Deanna and Vivian and myself, whenever we have a conversation with Niagara College or Brock University, we're like, talk to the employers, give them specific you know, programs that can help fund or not, excuse me, help train people for your, for your company. It's just an easy, that's how we keep people in well. And that's how we keep retention as Vivian was talking about earlier. So if we're seeing that skill gap, there's just small adjustments that we can make. And I know uh, employment Ontario offices also have second career uh, for people that are laid off as well. So people are getting those upgrades uh, through that. So again, that was long winded answer on my part, but anything to add from an employment Ontario perspective? Um, you know, the, <clears throat> an example will feed the conversation. And so um, we had a local employer who, this seems very, you know, simplistic, but it gives you uh, an overarching idea of it. But they were looking for a cake decorator and could not find a cake decorator to save their life. And so we had a conversation with them in terms of the Canada Ontario Job Grant and said, would you have somebody in your employee who you value more than anything? They're, they're, they're the perfect fit and have zero skills in this area. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got, you know, I can think of two off the top of my head. Great. So go make them your cake decorator. Yeah. <laughs> because they're your fit. Uh, if you already know they fit, then they're worth your investment. Because if they're already working for you doing this task, <clears throat> ask them, would you, you know, would you be interested? And so, you know, I, I, I encourage us not just through college, but through Employment Ontario. And if, even if you don't have Employment Ontario or Service Canada money or, you know, uh, IRCC, which is a Immigration Refugee uh, Canada money, if you don't have the money there, Think internally on how do I advance those who I value the most in my workforce so that they become my longer term employee. Mm -hmm. So, and college can help with that as can some other programs. But when you move, for example, the customer service person to the cake decorator, you've now created another job in Niagara. Right. So you've advanced that workforce, you've created long-term employees, which we know is very hard to come by nowadays. And so you're giving somebody else that opportunity to come in through job creation. So when we work internally to think of those problems and how we solve them, and again, that's not, you know, you don't paint everybody with the same uh, brush. It's it's very unique to that employer. And, and one thing we've done over the last, oh, probably the last two years, and then COVID just you know, pick that up like a, a freight train, uh, was working with our employers in Niagara. We are comprised of mostly small to medium-sized enterprises. They don't have HR departments. Um, you know, HR companies are expensive. Um, and the, the truth is you've got f- relatively free HR, not to the complexity that you would in, in those some of those other services, but 
you've got some great minds who have the supply chain. Um, and, you know, as an employer, if you sit and you invest some time with those organizations through, you know, Kelly's, Job Gyms, Poor Cares, uh, Niagara College, there's a whole series of employment help centers. Um, those staff there can help, nav- help you navigate as a small business for free, I might add. Mm. Um, navigate how we think about how we hire and how we retain our staff yes. because we know the supply side. Um, and if you can, again, I'm going to always say that if you put the two together and you seek a solution, you will come out with a win. It's yeah. one off. Mm-hmm. Every single yeah. time you have that conversation, you have an employer who's now advanced themselves in the labor market and Niagara gains from that yeah. because we have one more person who's employed earning more money and we have one more business that's thriving in Niagara. Right. right. Live, work and play. Right. Yeah. And with the, yeah, one more example with the Canada Ontario job grant is just that quite similar. It's like uh, a company had a G level driver and they needed a DZ level driver. They like them. They applied for the Canada Ontario job grant and they're DZ. And once again, starts a new position. You keep the person that you like, you didn't have to do all the posting, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. And especially this year, if it's a a program that uh, puts the province and the feds together and it's still happening, you know, it must be successful, right? (laughs) Because it's been a complex year with that relationship. So I I would just add, uh, add to it for just two seconds because of COVID too, the exciting thing uh, that I'm seeing is there's, is going to be this innovation in these short term training skills, They were even in the funded programs and the work that we can do, the way in which the college is thinking, there is going to be an opportunity to get closer to this match again. You know, uh, Kelly and Deanna have been great on those on those examples. But, you know, the issue in Welland with these employers needing, you know, everything from laborers to to uh, other more advanced skills, there is going to be, and it's emerging all the time. We're talking about it all the time. Um, There's small uh, short-term credentials are coming, you know, eight week training, four week training, on the job training. We're all getting, we're all seeing those kind of programs being approved. So it's great. It's great news for business, I think. Yeah, Yeah, well, you know, one of the great ones that came out uh, two years ago now, I think, uh, pre-COVID was a a micro-credential program that Brock was offering for the insurance industry right so they, they they couldn't they couldn't find salespeople who um you know in, in that industry and they right. created this program and um a, a few of our own directors were, were part of the advisory um committee around it and um you know all of those people who were in that program had jobs right <laughs> before right. they they graduated from that program that's and right short program and i know that they're looking at doing uh, more of those types of programs they are. and i think it is it is key and uh, yeah. i i do want to give a shout out because for small businesses that do not have an hr department and so you know our own organization our south niagara chambers we don't um Employment Solutions, Job Gym, Port Cares, Niagara College, uh, YMCA. I mean, those are the organizations that we've used um, quite successfully. I think uh, every staff person that we have um, has come through one of those organizations. And, uh, you know, we've been able to tap into training dollars. Um, But beyond that, uh, just finding the right candidates, um, providing us a space to conduct the interviews on occasion um, and, uh, you know, just helping us throughout the entire process. So the service is there. It's 
pretty much free. So for those businesses that don't have an HR department, like what are you waiting for? Like here, <laughs> here is a resource that really can make a difference to, uh, to your day. So yeah. I just had to throw that out there because it's been so positive uh, for us. We appreciate that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have yeah. done it without you guys. So thank High you. Five. Yeah. <laughs> but just a quick disclaimer we, we don't deal with the legalities of right of, you know yeah. yes don't call us and say well i've got this one staff member you know i'm trying to cut their mat leave short what do you think how can i run oh, around no, this okay. yeah it's we're not, not, we're not no, no. none of that yeah it's mostly hiring and recruiting yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so Deanna, I want to come back to you. Um, we've heard uh, throughout this pandemic that um, women in the workforce have been harder impacted um, than other groups. Do you think that they're going to have a difficult time re-entering the workforce? Hmm. Uh, you know what? That's a yeah. That's a stumper of a question because it's it's pretty loaded actually. So. You know, I, I think it depends on um, the industry, um, and I think it depends on uh, the um, individual identifying as female, right? So it, we, we really want to think about what does that mean in, in general terms, in a nutshell, yes, uh, mm-hmm. but they always have. Um, and, and, and a lot of that has to do with because they carry, uh, in terms of, of household, uh, they carry... Um, for the most part, again, I don't want to be stereotypical, uh, childcare responsibilities. They are typically the lower income earner in the house. And so when things happen, if you can imagine in, in, in the last 18 months, you got two people who are working and the kids are now having to be homeschooled. Who do you think is quitting the job? Right. The, the lower income earner. And most households, lower income earner uh, is female. Um, so as we introduce back into the workforce, um, you know, I, I, th- I think a lot of it will play out in terms of education, how schools are going to run, how childcare is going to operate. I'm exceptionally pleased to see that the federal government is having finally having conversations around childcare as a national issue, not a provincial issue or a local issue. It requires a national strategy if we are going to be competitive in the world stage in terms of economics and females getting ahead or those who identify as female getting ahead. So, um, I mean, I'm sorry if if that's not exactly what you were were looking for in terms of how to respond, but, um, you know, in Niagara, we're fortunate that we have the hospitality industry. Um, It is uh, an industry that is is mainly female driven. Um, So I think once the economy opens up, they'll enter back into those places of employment um, but I don't think it's going to advance uh, um, uh, women in the workforce. Um, that's just my, my two cents. We're, we're, there are a ton of great programs. One is out of the YWCA of Hamilton. We know that is running locally with Niagara College here in terms of women in trades. Um, they are completely overhauling apprenticeship in the province of Ontario. Again, should be a national strategy, just my two cents. Um, and they're overhauling apprenticeship um, in the province of Ontario. And, and so because of that, there is lots of funding going towards, specifically towards females, um, uh, those identify as female into the industry, into uh, trades um, and manufacturing. So fingers crossed mm-hmm. that there is some advancement. Um, uh, I think these conversations and the questions that you ask uh, Dolores, like this, uh, bring more awareness and hopefully at the end, bring more solutions. 
That's a great answer. And I, if I can just jump in, I really looking at the the childcare um, and the increase in childcare opportunities, like people will see it's like a, a social issue, but it's economic development. There's no way oh. around it. Yeah. You know, and especially it's, as we look for more creative ways to deal with addictions and mental health too, that's economic development as well. Right, like, right. you know, to, to put in these services, it only helps the economy. People think it's just that you're throwing money into a pit, very, very, very far from it. And I think that we need to pressure our political leaders on some of these social issues because it's just the same as, you know, if you want to fire up the economy, that's those, those little things that go a long way. Yeah. Can I, can I just jump into, I just want to echo what, what Deanna and Kelly were saying. Uh, at the Niagara Workforce Planning Board, we actually focused on women's employment over the last year, tracking it as well, uh, Dolores, and I, I'm happy to provide you with uh, any extra information. Um, women were, women's lack of employment, loss of employment over the last year was um, higher in Niagara than it was in Ontario as an average. And I think that has a lot to do from a data perspective with the nature of our uh, employment sectors. Uh, Deanne is right, women tend to dominate in uh, the service sector, hospitality, tourism, accommodation, retail, um, and they tend to be the lowest paid as well. What we've, what we've found is, uh, it's just like the rest of the conversations that, that we've been having this morning, is that women, uh, it's complex. It's, it, it's down to com the complexities of, of different roles that, that women have in the family, in, in the community, and also um, in, in having to, to, to deal with maybe elderly parents and, and all kinds of other things, not just childcare, yeah. but el elderly parents. So it's uh, women's role um, in, in the community has been, and the complexity of that has really been highlighted through the pandemic again. And we're not seeing by last se uh, September, 2020, the data show that men, men's employment had rebounded pretty well to pre-pandemic pre levels. Um, women were was at about half of where they were pre-pandemic. And to Kelly's point about childcare and other things being an economic issue, I would be as bold as even to say women re-entering the workforce is a big economic issue for us. Because if we lose, um, you know, a big part of our workforce for, for whatever reason, then a lot of businesses are going to struggle um, to, to find enough labor. Um, and that's why programs like what the YWCA is doing in Hamilton, what uh, Deanna is doing with uh, her skills development fund project um, are really important to kind of break down some of the barriers uh, I, that women have in terms of their choice of where they'd like to go and work. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that means upskilling them, but at the same time, we're reskilling them, but also at the same time working with employers to, to, to think about and businesses to think a bit more broadly about who they bring in to their workforce. So it's that kind of non-traditional type yeah. of roles. So I think we have huge opportunities. There's lots of great work going on. There's lots of data available to show the path and the way. So it's as a community, we can all work together to, to forge that, um, those positive outcomes for women and businesses. I mean, I, I totally agree with Kelly and thanks for pointing that out. It's an economic issue. Um, yep. um, and the whole wraparound to it is now an economic issue. And we're seeing that now uh, at, the, at the region. There's a lot of work uh, and advocacy going on around childcare um, and what that means for us in Niagara um, with respect to what the federal government are saying and the provincial government. 
Yeah, and Niagara College is doing some great pre-apprenticeship uh, programs Training. for females yeah. as well in some non-traditional female environments, which hopefully won't have to use that term, non-traditional female environment. That's right. It's, it's just an work. environment, something it's crazy. It's just an environment. Yeah. It's work, right. Yeah. 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 Well, we definitely, you know, this, this pandemic has been awful, but we, we really need to uh, pull some of those, those nuggets out and- yes and learn from them, right? Yes. Like opportunities for us. We've, we've almost had like a moment of clarity where, where yes. oh my goodness, you know, we need to deal with this. And oh my goodness, that is an issue. And oh my goodness, we never considered this. It, it's kind of brought it to the forefront. Yes. And, and that's the good thing um, that's come out of this. And so I, I hope that, um, you know, we stay on it and, and we don't squander the opportunities that um, have come out of this. Yeah. Hundred percent. I, I I don't. Uh, uh, again, it's that whole term normal, new normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I really hope that we have uh, when we move forward, and we will move forward because um, <clears throat> we've been moving forward throughout the whole process. Uh, we just have to open our eyes to realize we've been doing that. But I think that you know when we're on the other side, <clears throat> I really hope that the lessons we've learned don't. Um, or prevent us from going back to normal because uh, let's be real normal kind of sucked um, uh, depending on whose shoes you were wearing for that day it wasn't a great world to live in and so I hope when we get on the other side of this we are more aware we are more focused on um, you know some of the little nuances that aren't so little that you know um, Kelly was talking about in terms of addictions and all those other things we are not a healthy community uh, from an economic lens, if our community is not healthy, mm-hmm. and for your community to be healthy, that includes all members of your community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're lacking a workforce, that workforce is there. They're just not at their best. And so how do you help them be at their best <clears throat> so that your supply chain goes up? Right. Um, we shouldn't have to look outside of Niagara to staff Niagara. Um, uh, you know, wouldn't it be ideal and very uh, maybe it is Pollyanna of me uh, I'm okay with that this girl sky could be purple in my world and I and I would be quite happy um, but you know it should be that we put a posting out and people in Niagara are qualified to do that job yeah. um, and they are at their best and you know I think that as a collective when we work together as employers employment Ontario the Niagara first planning boards our post-secondary institutions and our, our education institutions if we're all in sync together and all those other supports that are out there uh, your community has no um, other opportunity but to, to thrive. It's, it can't go anywhere else but up. Um, we just have to start finding ways that we can cross-pollinate and teach each other. Uh, and that includes social and economic. Yep. Have to come together. Yep. That's just, you know, that's my bandstand. That's my, you know, drop the mic uh, for, for the day. But I, I really do believe that. Yeah. Well put. Well put. Um, Scott. That's, a, that's a mic drop. I don't think we can really go. Yeah. I think uh, that, that's the that's the closing statement we were looking for. Uh, yeah, Scott, are, you're not, Scott, you're not getting paid per question, are you? You've really messed that up. No, you? I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's the great thing about podcasts. I'm just here to look good. Yeah, yeah. A ch- check mark. Yeah. Well uh, done. Yeah. Kelly and uh, Deanna and Vivian, those, it's, there's some wonderful points of view there. I've learned a lot listening in today. That's, uh, you know, and it seems like really opportunity is about going forward. Yeah. And I think that's something that everyone needs to think about, whether 
it's a situation of being unemployed or a situation of maybe just wanting a side hustle or a new career. It seems like there's the opportunities are, are out there and, uh, and that's great to hear. Um, yeah. I'd like to thank all of you for, for your insight today. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, Scott, it has been a great season. This was our series finale and what a great way to uh, end the series. We've done 20 episodes and I want to thank every single guest that we've had on. Um, they've been fantastic. I know, Scott, you'll agree with me. Uh, I've learned so much and it's really um, been great to get into so many meaningful conversations. Thanks to all of our listeners uh, who've tuned in from all over the world. We, we don't know how or why, but, but thanks for tuning in. Um, we're going to catch our breath over the summer, uh, but we'll be back in September with uh, another great lineup. Everyone stay safe, have a wonderful summer, and we will see you all in the fall. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.